welcome to the second season of LDN, London Digital Nattering. You may recall that our season one opener was with Steve Limmer, an agile delivery consultant. You can find him on Twitter at underscore slimmer underscore. Steve and I observed the other day that the Manifesto for Agile Software Development turns 18 this year and is therefore eligible to buy us a pint here in the UK. We talk about what Agile has achieved in its life thus far and what might lie ahead. If you enjoy this episode, please recommend us to a friend. You can find us on Twitter at LDN Podcast. Show notes for this episode and also links to all the other episodes you can find on www.ldnpodcast.com. And if you get a bit of time, please do leave us a review on iTunes. Thank you. So without further ado, here's me, here's Steve, and Agile buys us a pint. So, Slimmer, welcome. Hello. Hello, aka at underscore Slimmer underscore. Uh, it is 2019, it's January. Nearly February. And do you know what happened in February, uh, well, February the 11th, the weekend of February the 11th and the 12th, 2001? Um, no, because I was pr- probably quite drunk. Well, speaking of getting drunk, that was the birthday of the Manifesto for Agile Software Development. <gasps> So, so it was yeah. in Snowbird, Utah. In Snowbird, Utah. Yeehaw. 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 And that makes, as I think you've pointed out, Agile 18 and able to buy us a beer here in the UK. Here in the UK, if Agile was a person, they would be in the bar getting us a beer, drinking three, getting really pissed and raucous and getting thrown out of the beer, out of the bar. As a manifesto for Agile software development, I want to buy Kieran and Steve a beer. So that they can get really raucous. <laughs> it's taking two old middle-aged white dudes out for a, for a drink. <laughs> but what makes me laugh is that although it was born in America, it can't yet buy a beer for anybody yet in America. Lol. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, sorry. <laughs> Move to Britain where everything's... No, actually it's not. <laughs> no, not, not, we're, not we're, right we're all pretty fucked right yeah. now with, we, we, with Brexit. We better stockpile a beer. How yeah. about that? So... <laughs> Well, I know I will. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So um, so thanks for making time for, uh, well, basically the reboot of this pod. And uh, so well, I've taken a wee break and I'm back now after six months of looking after a baby, uh, which is yet another sort of talking about age and birth and all of that. Well, there you go, yeah. agile and then my son. And so today we're going to look back a bit towards some of the key principles that made Agile Agile. Yep. But one day I have this aspiration that we will drop the word Agile. Well, is it really adding anything to the conversation anymore? That's the that's the key thing. I have found in coaching engagements and in just in general delivery practices these days it doesn't benefit very much to actually say this is an agile thing. And I think probably because it's become a, a bit of a bastardization, bastardization. Mm. Sorry. So, so bad I had to say it twice. Um, and I, I do believe that, I do believe that the term itself has been corrupted over the years. Mm. A bit like an 18 year old, right? It's, it's a, it's legally old enough to buy a, a beer, but is it mature enough to handle it? No. So it's, yeah. 
one of those things. Um, it's a it's a weird it's a weird point. You hear like I I've I've seen corruptions all over the place. As I was working with a, a guy a few years ago who a project manager who told me about this amazing agile racy that he was using. Mm-hmm. I was like, really? Amazing. What is what is that? Um, and he says it's the re- responsibility. What a responsible, what accountable, consulted, informed. That one, yeah. Um, and I said, so that's like a regular race. So what's the difference? Oh, but it's got a agile. No, I <laughs> <laughs> was serious. I was like, oh mate, that's um, great. Yeah, I, I, I've had an agile implementation where a client said, "We've got to do agile. Just yeah. got to do it." What? Why? Oh, uh, because we've installed Trello. Oh, see, Trello—that's different. Uh, I usually hear, "Oh, we're 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 agile because we've got Jira." Oh yeah, you know, um, and Lassie and love that. I'm sure they are coining that in. You know, it's uh, at the end of the day, it's it's the it is the tool. Um, I mean, we're gonna go through the we're yeah. gonna go through the manifesto. We're gonna unpick it and see what the relevancy is in twenty eighteen, right or twenty nineteen. Yeah. So, so why don't we give that a go? So, yeah, uh, what we're going to talk about today are um, the four pairing principles out of the manifesto for agile software development. So, just for the benefits of the listeners here, we, I'll just recap what it actually says, and you can go and look at this up on the web agilemanifesto.org. So here they say, we are uncovering better ways of developing software by doing it and helping others do it. Through this work, we have come to value individuals and interactions over processes and tools, working software over comprehensive documentation, customer collaboration over contract negotiation, and responding to change over following a plan. So that that's that's what we're going to cover today. We're just going to talk about those. There are like 12 other sort of 12 or 13. 12 other, principles, yeah. Other principles behind it. So, but we're not, that, that'll just be, that'll make this podcast unwieldy. It would be cumbersome. Mm. Um, in this case, it's good, it's good to go, it's the good, it's good to go with the statement. I mean, that was the vision statement, right? Mm. Um, and we, you know, this is, this is the goal. And the vast majority of, the, of those people in the room who came up with this, are still relevant today. They're still they still have a lot to say. Some of them are even alive. I know, right? Yeah. Um, look, there's some there's some really there's some really great people still doing good things. Ron Jeffries is a, is always class. If you follow him on Twitter, oh, he's brilliant. Yeah, he's brilliant. He's Re- really like your sort of your your archetypal cantankerous. Oh, come on, guys! Like like. We've been talking about this for eighteen years now. Grumpy old man, yeah. right? Well, actually, since forty since the forties, yeah, really. No, oh if you think God. about it, yeah. Um, before we sort of go in and explore the pairings, though, I want to um, just sort of make an observation here, which is all of these pairings are over. So individuals and interactions over processes and tools. And so often I hear clients go, individuals and interactions instead of processes and tools. Right? Yeah. So, so this is where you get the old mythology about software, you know, uh, working software over comprehensive documentation. Oh, you never do any documentation. No, that's not what it says. It yeah. just says we favour working software. It's one of those things, isn't it? it it's always, people always miss the key terms. Um, mm. And over is, in this case, the key term. Mm. It's not instead of, it's not a replacement. It's it's just what it is. It's it's favouring the more human end of, of development, the messier end of de- development over the, the process and slick, streamlined tools and ways of doing things that the... 
that have never worked in the past. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I've noticed that even, I know we said we wouldn't look at the principles, but even when I run through the principles with groups that I'm coaching, you know, I, I actually, every time I do it, I, I respect more the wordsmithing that's gone into those principles. Mm. They're, very, they're, they're very cleverly worded. Yeah. But part of me is starting to feel like it's ossifying, you know, it's sort of becoming set in stone now, a bit like a holy text. It's canonical, isn't it? And it's, yeah. isn't that the way, uh, it's the way training's gone mm. now. It's people are preaching canon, yet it's not context specific. And this is, uh, going back to your point on, is Agile even relevant anymore? Is the term Agile relevant? Mm. In many cases, no, it's not. But you can go into a client site, find out that there's, issues with their engineering they're they're just absolutely crap at getting things delivered so what's the point in going through all 12 principles whenever you've got a specific clear problem that needs to be rectified right there you can you can coach them on xp principles you can coach mm -hmm. them on test-driven development uh, you can you can coach them on pairing how to mob um use how to, how to use continuous integration continuous delivery principles these all these very sound principles without ever having to mention agile yeah. yeah. Or the other end of it, you've got people who are just a massive organization, silos everywhere, depend dependencies everywhere, nobody talks to each other. Again, what's the point in talking about Agile whenever they need a little bit of coaching on empathy? Right. Well, that's probably a good place to start. Let's, yeah. let's talk about empathy. So, cool. so the, the first pairing, individuals and interactions over processes and tools. Yeah. Um, that to me screams empathy and working together and, and you know working together is driven a lot by those sorts of soft skills like empathy and collabor collaboration yeah. which I know is in another one of the principles so so let's explore that how it was it was certainly in my experience having been working since 2000 you know it's certainly relevant to mention back in 2001 that hey guys why don't we just sort of treat each other a bit more how we might want to be treated <laughs> which i know is a <laughs> imagine <really>, right <laughs> imagine which i know is a bit of a bit of a bastardization of the term empathy but still so is that really still something that needs to be called out that's a good that's a good point um it depends on the generation i believe so hot take time right Ooh. um like my hot takes. <laughs> I'm pretty confident that as the older generation moves out of the workforce, the empathy issue will no longer be an issue. I've worked with an awful lot of millennials over the last few years, um, and as more and more of them come into the come into the workplace, more of them are driving things through. And the thing, the things around empathy, talking to people, treating people like humans. Um, have an understanding for each other. It's more inherent in their generation than it is in any other. Um, I find I find working with millennials, it, they they just get it. Mm. They they don't they don't, you don't need to coach them on principles and how to work with each other. They they just seem to be naturally more collaborative, naturally have a little bit more understanding for each other. So what's behind that? Do you think? Probably seen. The older generation being such dicks to each other. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I, I genuinely don't know. It just seems to be a thing. Um, I mean, you hear older people deriding them, calling it the snowflake generation and mm. things like that. 
I don't think there's anything snowflakey about it. I just think there's gen- there's just seems to be a natural empathy. And it, it may be the way they're being taught. It may be the, the change in the education systems. It may be just people are more in tune and more mindful of, 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 of people's biases and ways of living. And mm. that just isn't natural to maybe Gen X's or specifically baby boomers in, in the marketplace. Do you think any of that's maybe a side effect of the laudable and of you know very good things that are being done to try and stimulate, especially in the software development industry, trying to stimulate more diversity. Yeah, yeah. I think that definitely it's it's a, it's a it's it's an effect of it. Um, and again, it, it, diversity diversity is a thing now. It used to never. It was never explicit the way it is now. There's there's such there's movements around all of the um, ensuring that everybody has an equal voice in in the workplace. And I, I don't remember anything like it. Um, I mean, I've been I've been working on software from two thousand and seven, and um, it's only only in the last three four years have I really seen a big move towards it. I mean, I started working in my current place. I, I work in the I I, I, I I'm a delivery manager in, in the Ministry of Justice, and in the first week, I came in. There was a, a real celebration of diversity, and they were bringing out all their diversity champions, mm. and. Like years ago, and I'll stick my hand up. I would have rolled my eyes at this, but now I feel that it's a good thing, and it, it, a really, a, a re, it, it was good to see that the, the different arrays of, of humanity were were being thought of and cared for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm with you on that. And <clears throat> let's have a counterfactual on the old diversity thing before we move on, though. <laughs> um, I just I recently retweeted a. Um, uh, a really awesome post. Oh yeah, uh, on Twitter by the Dubai Media Office. So uh, this tweet is from the twenty seventh of January, so a couple of days ago, uh, and uh, they were honouring the winners of the Gender Balance Index two thousand eighteen. The index features three categories: best personality for supporting gender balance, best federal entity for supporting gender balance, and the best initiative for supporting gender balance. Guess what the genders of all the win- winners were? Men. They were all men. They were all men. And they have hysterically have these pictures of these guys. Can you see that? Oh, Jesus. Can you see that? Yeah. I'll share this on the, on the pod notes, on the show notes later. But uh, this just cracked me up. And the, 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 lash, the backlash on Twitter has been incredible. Quite a ways to go. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's so bad. I shouldn't even laugh about this. So in, yeah. So in its own way, the you know this idea of favouring inter- interact. Who knows if it's the manifesto that drove it? Um, but but it certainly, in my experience, has always worked better. That you know, getting people together and yeah. getting them to work together and favouring face to face communication and being in the place of work together and all of this stuff yeah. gets it done. Well, funny. I get. I guess another side effect of that is that. I mean, when I when I joined the when I joined the work when I joined the IT workplace, um, it was all the rage, the offshore everything. Yeah. Right. Um, that has definitely reduced. I you don't see you don't see it anywhere near the same level, if at all. Um, I I, I remember whenever whenever um, whenever I first started out, we everything was move everything was was it was fashionable to ship everything over to India. Yeah. You get you get everything you get everything done cheaply and quickly and whatever else, 
But obviously the minute it passed away from the minds of the people who thought about it and went over into an offshore where there was absolutely no context given to anything that they needed to build, it immediately became a wrong. Mm. And um, I used to, I had the very unfortunate job of being a tester and then a test manager of a team that had to pick that up. Yeah. And even before I knew about Agile, I always tried to bring a bit of collaboration and, and empathy with working with my teams um, from the different offshore. So I had to deal with I had to deal with teams in Chicago. I had to deal with a team in Belfast. I had to deal with a team in Chennai, and. Um, we had all the different time zones, so we, we, we set up a we set up a daily call to, to get in touch with each other. Um we we I, I took the initiative to send out a send out a, a bit about me. So oh, yeah. So uh, what a, a, I created a presentation, I showed a picture of who I, who I was. Um and so this was in uh, two thousand and nine. I just finished army service and I sent a picture of me when I was in Afghanistan out. Ah. Uh. And uh so it had all it, it was like here's who I am. This is what I used to do. This is this is what I do now. And um, the it, it went it went down really well. Oh, it did. Okay, he, I thought it might have gone down well in the US, but maybe less well. No, the the, the 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 Indian folks loved it. They were they were like, oh, that's so cool. Um, oh, cool. And it was a talking point. And then because they thought it was cool, then they started putting their pictures up and saying what they were interested Brilliant. in. And it. It actually helped because at one point, like we were pretty hostile, um, especially whenever the the work the work first migrated to us. Um, but that helped to break the barriers. I say, like this was this was this was before my agile awakening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's just um, I, I'm so there. Um, I want to get rid of the word from my vocabulary agile at some point, and then yeah. and let's just go with flexible. And then, yeah, but today, <laughs> today we'll today we'll just use it because we have to. And then the other two words I want to get rid of are in a pair: common sense. Oh, it's just common sense, isn't it? Um, so, uh, yeah, there's a, there's an oxymoron. But well, then there's a there's an incredible dearth of it out there at the minute. But well, let's get, if we're going to get rid of one word, can we get rid of scaling? Let's move on to scaling, but 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 before we do, uh, what's interesting is favouring individuals and interactions over processes and tools. And what you did there was you were really pushing the empathy element of it. Yeah. Um, and I I had a similar thing with an offshoring experience. We we tried that for a while, but mm-hmm. um, we also found that our senior management's answer to offshore. So I had uh, onshore about forty people, offshore about hundred. And we were finding that pretty much the only way that anybody in senior management would feel comfortable about what we were doing was if we whacked in a load of process. So everything became process heavy. And it just, it, it's counterproductive massively. Yeah. Um, so I don't want to do that again. No. I don't want to go back to those days. So speaking of process, let's talk about scaling. <laughs> yeah, let, 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 I mean, this, is, this, has been the, this has been the side effect of the growth of Agile. Mm. Um, because if it works at a team level, it's going to work at a company level, right? Oh, just instantly. You just drop, at, you know, you just say everybody be agile. Yep. Everyone be agile. Yeah. Um, I suppose now it's got it's got to the case of the fear of missing out. People want to be want to be part of this agile thing. We're on the other end of the curve now. It's the, the adoption curve. Mm. Um, more organizations pr- uh, propose to be agile than not. Um, so the old scaling money train has rolled in and I say train pointedly because that has been one of the metaphors that have come out of the scaled agile framework 
the money train. The money train, yeah. So the 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 four point five point two or whatever the fuck it is now, um, certification level. Um, who knows where? Well, we do know where it comes from. Um, Dean Laughingwell has 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 become a billionaire or whatever or a millionaire out of out of selling this shit. Right, he's laughing all the way to the bank. Uh, nice. I might have to just splice that in as a sound file. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so he is. Yeah, and and what has he done? He's basically he's basically disabled any of the good bits about agile, and has just made it so that the the status quo can have a new title rather than any change that needs to be done. It's it's very very process driven, <coughs> very very anti the, the 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 agile principles. So just as a sort of a counterpoint. I'm I'm going to try and defend him. Why? For it. Well, you know, we've got to have a bit of high drama today, haven't we? So, is there not an argument to say it's an okay-ish stepping stone for a company that can't cope, or an organisation that can't cope with the idea of things being uncertain and therefore needs to start moving in that direction? This is maybe a stepping stone towards other things like less or, or, or you Just know, less. Just your own. Or just rolling your own, which I think we should talk about as well. But, yeah. but is is there an argument to say that? I guess there is. Um, it's a starting point. Um, it, 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 it it does push you towards breaking out your organisational silos into mm. three separate silos now. So you've got your portfolio silo, you've got your release train silo, <laughs> and you've got your engineering silo. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't actually consider anything else in a business like your sales your marketing or any sort of any sort of human interactions that need to happen um but it's a start yeah and it gives you it gives you some nice buzzwords because you can throw in some lean ux on all this right i got a nice tool out of it actually by uh, when i did my safe cert yeah because i discovered don reinertson's work Ooh. Uh, yeah okay who is the don the don yeah and um so he did well Weighted shortest job first, which is a thing in used in safe. Yeah, working out what's the important thing to focus on next. Focuses on the cost of delay, the cost of not doing a thing. Yeah, uh, and I found that was really fresh, and we worked that into some tools that we we're selling ideas back to clients with. Reinertson's work is generally just legendary. Is he's, mm. he's he's a very very uh, the principles of product development flows like a bible for anybody who wants to get stuff done well. It's easily the most nutritionally dense <coughs> book I've ever read. I I have I've read it cover to cover. Have you? I have, and I've highlighted pretty much every page. It's just a colouring in book. Yeah, it is. That's all it is now. It's like it's, it's pure pink. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> yeah. Look, uh, let's let's move on. Let, let, let let's move on. Yeah. yeah so. Um, let's let's talk about let's talk about rolling your own rolling your own yeah um, rolling your own is we were talking about this before we actually we started recording and I, I think rolling your own is the is the way to go now it's mm. it's a case of understand the context of each organisation and be more specific in your training the problem with tra- the problem with a lot of agile training is that it's very much focused on um, it's very much focused on the the uh, the, the canon of agile. Um, and it'll use it'll talk about it'll talk about how you could use Scrum, how you could how you could use Kanban, how you could use um, XP. Yeah. Um. It'll talk about the principles. Um. It'll give you some lovely games and a bit of fun. Mm. Um. But 
if unless and unless it it doesn't translate well to certain organisations, particularly whenever you go in coaching, um, each team and each part of the organisation has different problems. Yeah. Yeah, and, and often it's the organisation. More than, more than, more than often, yeah. Well, I mean, I've been asked often enough, and we'll, we'll touch on this in the in the last segment. But um, often I'm asked, you know, can you come in and fix this team? It's not working. Yeah. And so, for one example, there was a team that I had to go and talk to, and uh, and of course I refused that request, by the way. Yeah. But I'll still yeah. go and talk to the team and find out what's going on. Yeah. And, and they're like, well, we don't know what we're supposed to be working on because uh, we don't have anybody to tell us what's important. So we're just doing what we think is important. Yeah. And that's really, really hard. So the, the idea about rolling your own is is <clears throat> there's so much wisdom in this manifesto that we're that is now 18 and, yeah. and getting a bit leery down the pub on uh, <laughs> snake bites. Yeah? So getting pissed off on cider and blackcurrant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, there's still, but there's still a lot of wisdom in this teenager. And... Uh, and talking through, spending a day or two with a team, talking them through the principles and saying, if you follow the principles, you can just design your own methodology. Why don't you? What works for you in this place of work? Working with the people you know, um, working with things like the appetite for uncertainty. It's brilliant. So um, I'm going to bring us, I'm going to segue into the next part of the manifesto um, where working software over comprehensive Mm. documentation. Let's do that. But, the the key thing that's come out of the agile manif- the the key thing one of the key things that has come out of agile is the definition of done. Mm. So when we're talking about rolling your own process, I worked with a team about a year and a half ago, um, where they were stuck in a rut. They they were just they were they were they were a feature factory. Um, they were they were just churning out features, but they didn't realize the value in what they were doing. Um, so we did an exercise where we we came up with what their what done looked like. And then we tied it back to their vision for their mm. service. Then, when we rewrote the service vision, they were like, "Shit, we're actually done." And they had a they had a real light bulb moment where it was it was just wow. Okay, we have actually we've, we 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 understand now where we're at. And I said, "Well, that's fine." And so we then we talked about a model of, "Well, what do you do for to, to support a live service?" And so we, we, we talked about how, how Kanban can help in this instance and how, how prioritizing work requests versus new features and, um, just balancing and, and how we can, how you can work through the, through the portfolio of work that needed to be achieved. That's incredible. It was good fun. <laughs> so they were, they were sitting on a load of inventory in terms of software inventory yeah. that they hadn't shipped. Yeah. But they could have done. They, they were they were done. They, in fact, they'd said they were done months previously. So why didn't they ship? Was it just they didn't realise? They were they were in analysis paralysis. Uh. So they were just overthinking everything they were doing, and I think it came from the fact that they were a team of very very intelligent people who just didn't know know when enough was enough. Yeah. So the definition of done is you know applies to that yep. circumstance. It also applies to. Well, in a smaller scale, how do we know this thing is done? Uh, so, you know, for those listening anyway, uh, you might be running a project and talking to your software devs and say, well, is it done? They'll be like, yeah, that's fine, it's done. Yeah. So has it been tested or integrated? or No, 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 it's just on my local on machine, my machine here. Yeah. Well, okay, that, that might be done in your head, but not in anybody else's. So, yeah. so that's, how's that useful? <laughs> so the definition of done was devised to counteract that and help us drive towards getting working software out yeah but less going back to process just for a 
yeah, yeah. brief moment, talks about using the definition of done as a way of broadening out a, an agile adoption, still using it, across an organization. Right. So you grow your team out beyond just software. Mm-hmm. And then you start to include marketing because you sales need to and, and then sales and then legal if that's nice. required. It's quite not. It just broadens out. Yeah. From development and testing and deployment to development testing deployment legal development testing deployment legal marketing, etc. etc. Which I thought was a neat trick. That's if you can get it to very work. clever. If you can get your organisation to work that way, <clears throat> I mean, currently I work I work with a, I I work as part of a team where we're cross-functional as in we do our own research design delivery um, and we we control everything up to the point where it goes into the pipeline but again as it's uh, beyond that we, we still have to speak to policy yeah legal etc um, marketing and so much so so forth aren't really a factor in this no well in that case that puts dependencies outside of the team onto the team makes life difficult huh? yeah I mean, we have we have a policy represent, representative as part of the team, but we still have to go to board for approval for certain things, yeah. um, which is, I guess, it's just part of the dependency management. Um, and it's fun again because it's, I go to I go to a board meeting and a lot of people are like, well, when will it be done? When will it be ready? And I'm just honest now and just say, I don't know. I'll tell you whenever it is, though. That's really really good, and, and they accept that. They're a bit. They've been a bit shirty about it, um, but um, luckily I've got a defender in the corner, as in the head of policy, who the head of the head of the pro- the program was. Well, I guess it's just like Google Maps, isn't it? When you first put in your input, your your destination, you get a blob. Yeah. As you get closer to it, then it becomes a bit more. You you, un- you see a bit more of the features. That's a nice way of describing it. Yeah. That's, that's the way I thought about it. And I mean, again, it's it's we're not. This isn't a documented process. It's just we're getting stuff done, and we we are showing them as we go along what what we have working, working yeah. software over comprehensive documentation. So they've actually something they can see and touch, rather than actually just having to read a document. And that's pretty significant in government, mm. which you'd imagine it would be bureaucratic, process heavy. So I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're they're the they're the instigators for Prince too, right? Mm. So they they brought in uh, f- for those who don't know what Prince Two is, it's the it's a project management framework that was specifically for government, but is is spooled out into other industries, and it works in other industries. I mean, for for example, manuf- or construction, hmm. you need to have everything done up front before you can start your build. I've just got to have a laugh at the acronym Projects in Controlled Environments. Fuck me! So that's definitely not software then. No. No, and and absolutely, this is not manufactured. Every time software is a new system, yep. new new technology, new teams in a new environment solving a unique problem, yeah, it's inventing. Yeah, yeah. every yeah. time you're inventing something. Oh, well, it's massively creative work, but yeah. people don't. Uh, the, the problem is, the people who manage it tend to be the least creative people you've ever met. Mm. So yeah, so uh, so that's interesting. So. Uh, it's great to see the government's moving that way. I'm uh, occasionally working in financial services, and before that, I was working in. Well, I'm not proud of it. Gambling. Yeah. Had to pay the rent. Yep. Uh, and those actually were quite regulatory heavy yeah. industries, and so we did have to have documentation about how the random number generators worked and all of that stuff. But you just build it into the process of yeah. how you deliver. It's exactly. Like, okay. It's not an either or, is it? Software versus documentation. No, I mean, well, that's it. 
it's especially in regulated industries. Yes, there's there's definitely a need, mm. and again, it's it's the whole point of over. You mm. can have your working software, but you still have to. It, it's over, it's over documentation. It's a preferable method of proving what you've done. Yeah, but yeah, documentation is still necessary. And in, in 2019, we're still writing documents to to cover off what we have to do because we need to. We need to, we need to document our thinking. We need to document why we've making this decision. Um, and it's it, it, it's always a fallback and why we've done it. Um, again, it's it's falling back on your service vision. We had yeah. we had an exercise recently where we had a a, a light bulb moment. Ah, so I like those. It was good. Um, it was actually my the designer in my team. He had a he was in the shower and he was thinking about it and it popped into his head. <laughs> um. But it, it, it came out, he, he said, like, our vision is very broad brush and it was it, we came up with it when we first started on the on the project and we don't think it's it's quite correct. So we went back, did an elevator pitch on what, we're, what we are aiming to achieve and we realised, oh, the scope of what we're trying to do is a lot, is a lot less. So we, we came up with a brand new vision, went back to the board and they were like, ah, yeah, that makes sense. That's great. That's like a little pivot. Yeah, it was. It was a complete pivot. It was very, very good, um, and it means it, it means it constrains us to what we actually need to do, which lessens what the need of what we have to do, and then we can move into we can move on to other things as well once we've achieved it because we've we've we've, we've shortened our scope, which is great. Yeah, that's really impressive. And it's impressive that you guys could do that. Yeah, you want to move on to. Um, customer collaboration. I think we should, yeah. Yeah. So the for this one, it's customer collaboration over contract negotiation. Di- difficult, I think. Uh, uh, we're not there. No, we're not there. I mean, everything's still heavily contracted, um, particularly government. Yeah. Um, you, I mean, even though you've got these new frameworks that have come out for work, particularly in the UK, so you've got you've got two frameworks. You've got uh, you've got G Cloud for procurement of work, and you've you've got um, DOS DOS for outcomes. So even if you're going for an outcome, which is different from the old the old business case and uh, specification, um, where you would you would just be given a specification and told to build it. Now there's a move away into buying outcomes. Yeah. Which is a good move. It's a good move. It's a, it's it's not a great move, but it's a good move. The good the, the they because the outcome is still being pushed out to a vendor. The outcome is still being owned by somebody external to your organization. You the the organization will insume it whenever it's been built, but they have no real control over how it's built. No. Uh, so it's still plus these things are also quite heavily weighted sometimes on price mm. and so you could get a you could get the the best person not doing the outcome because they've been beaten on price yeah absolutely uh god what's his name shepherd glenn shepherd the astronaut yes yeah so he was asked uh he was asked when he was on the landing or on the on the launch pad uh-huh. Uh huh. He after he did his flight in Apollo and all that, he was asked on a on a talk show. You know what was going through your mind when you were there and it was counting down ten, nine, eight. And he said, "I was I was in there in my couch on the launch pad, thinking, here I am strapped on top of a massive bomb, and it's been built by the lowest bidder." <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, so yeah, buy cheap, pay twice, I guess. But um, yeah. Well, we're we're getting better. I mean, we're we're talking about outcomes now rather than rather than specification. It, it's huge. I mean, in the old days, I remember we'd we'd try and win bids against 
all of these requirements have to be delivered precisely how we've said. Yeah. And it's nonsense anyway, because a lot of them are unnecessary. A lot of them aren't really thought through. Yeah. What's really great about the way that government is working with the GDS process, the discovery, the alpha, which prototypes stuff and yeah. learns quickly, throws ideas away, yeah. tries new things. So, yeah, it's getting a lot better. I think perversely, outside of government, um, not talking about now private sector procurement, mm. but perversely, outside of the government context, it's internal expectation management that is difficult. Yeah. You know, because uh, so in my observations, you get, say, a PMO or whatever has got a biz case. Yeah. Give me a million quid and I'll give you 10 back over yeah. three years or whatever the return on investment is. Uh, it's different from government. government. Government isn't measured on money. It's usually measured on savings or mm. measured on, on improvements to people's lives. Mm. Which, again, is, well, it's usually on the savings point, it is money. Yeah, true. Uh, the improvement on people's lives... Yeah, it depends on the department. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Not naming names. No. Um, so, so I'm noticing that actually people are struggling a lot with internal expectation management uh, on that side of things. Yeah. But the ones that focus on collaborating, trying to find the right outcomes, are still doing better than the ones who are sticking to the contract. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's one of the... It's It seems to be it, the... At national level, they're getting there because the the GDS process of Alpha Beta Live with the service standards is well thought through, but local government's not quite getting there. And it, it's it's amazing to see the government is actually blazing the way on how to mm. how to build things. It's really incre- it's incredible. Um, who'd have thought? I know, right? I know, right? And not only that, but the UK is pretty one of the leading sort of pioneers of these approaches. Well, I mean, I I've worked. I've and I've worked in software for the last eleven years, twelve this year. Wow! Um, you can't buy me a beer then. I can't buy you a beer. Um, six years of that, I've I've done government work, and I have to. I'll I'll, I'll happily stick my hand up and say that I've, I, I much prefer doing government work than I do mm. than I do anything else. Mm. I think number one, it lends itself to somebody who actually who wants to do good things because you're you're doing it for citizens rather than for profit. Yeah. Yeah, that is that is very true. Um, but the the second thing is because we've got this this very good good standard now of the of of the the service standards and the I mean they are they are still milestones in old money, mm. but they're milestones that are a lot more human centered. Going back to the individuals, you're you I mean everything has to be have to, has to be researched, everything has to be meeting a person's needs rather than meeting the business case need. It's profound. And also because the the frameworks, the delivery, you know, the service manual and all that have embedded themselves across departments, you don't have to keep re-explaining a lot of this stuff. No. You might have to disabuse people of maybe misapprehensions, but yeah. yeah. So that's really good. But yeah, it's good. It is good. But back to back to this, you know, the often internally managing stuff or, or so customer collaboration versus contract negotiation. Yeah. For me, a word that really jumps out uh, and it's a perennial problem is the management of uncertainty, the acceptance of risk and management of uncertainty. Yeah. So by that I mean, uh, some somebody up upstairs wants a date. Yeah. Someone in senior management. When are we launching? And and they they want a precise date. Oh yeah. But unfortunately, a precise date is often inaccurate. Yeah. So it's precisely right 
Uh, sorry, it's precisely wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, isn't it? Isn't it? Well, it's it's that old triangle of trust. So you've got time, cost, quality, mm-hmm. and you can only have two. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've, uh, I've 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 talked about this. I've seen tweets. I think it was Alan Holub was talking about it. You can set a you can set a deadline. You can meet a deadline, but what you don't see underneath is the real problems that it, it's taken to get there you can grind people to, into, the, into, the, into dust to get those to meet that deadline you've got unseen technical debt to meet that deadline and I've seen it countless times if you if you've if somebody somewhere has come up with a deadline in their head they've never really they've never really thought it through it, it's either it's either because it's a vanity metric for them mm. yet I will have that thing live at that point in time because I say so or because it's a legacy system that's being switched off. Um, you've got all the inherent problems of taking over from a legacy system, which may be well loved. If not well loved, it's well used. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that that I've I've seen that happen a few times. It's pretty difficult. And if you're going to go date driven, you you've got to flex on the scope. Well, this is it. I mean, yeah. yes, I can get a thing live for that date. It may not be what you wanted, but it's live on that date. So I've seen an even an even weirder, perverse sort of uh, outcome from this uncertainty thing, which is. Uh, there was a guy in a portfolio that I was managing, yeah. and he was he was aiming to deliver something on December the fifth. We were in March, but the date was going to be December the fifth, and I said, "What time?" Yeah, and he went, "Well, stupid question." I was like, "Right, yeah, but December the fifth is a really stupid thing to say." But as it happens, he did deliver on December the fifth. Yeah, but he went live with fifty percent more features than originally planned. Right. Because the team worked a lot quicker than they thought they would. So it's like, why didn't you just release earlier? You know? um, Realise value early, right? Right. You know? yeah. So it, it, sometimes you get fixated on a date, but you don't want to be wrong about the date, even if you could be more right by releasing earlier and saying you were wrong about December 5th. So it's something we've got, to, we've got to work on because... That's all about our last part of our pairings. Which nice is, segue. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Smooth. I should be a DJ. I should be. Yeah. And here's a big hello to all you truckers out there. <laughs> I thought it was just a nice mix. It was a, it was a blend. There was no, there was no double beating. I, I'm, I'm not the John Digweed of <laughs> podcasting. So responding to change over following a plan. So this is responding to change over following a plan. So can we just get the first bit out of the way, which is Agile doesn't plan. No, no, not quite. Um, well, we do. We we recognise that the plans are a useful thing. We just don't follow them particularly well because we recognise that change happens and and shit needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think it, it's it, even that even goes back to Sun Tzu's time. Yeah. It's always always everything everything's everything's good to it's good to plan and it's just be prepared for what happens when 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 combat happens. Yeah, Clausewitz, no plan survives contact with the enemy. That's the one. Tyson, everyone has a plan till they get punched in the face. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and and, and that, that that it's it's particularly true in software as we've said it's a creative undertaking. So I'd I'd love it if uh, you know at a board program board or a, or a portfolio board people would say do you know what this project uh, we've just got rid of rags we're not going to red amber green projects anymore because yeah. that's a bit judgmental we just <laughs> go well 
we thought it was going to be early December. It's now going to be late December. Yeah. Well, you wouldn't release late December, but you know what I mean. Um, so it would be, we're expecting that flexibility and empowerment of the team. Yeah. About responding to change and not being beaten to death with a plan. Yeah. And we expect our teams to be all fluid, but the structures around them, you can't be fluid. It's like being water. It's not flowing water. It's water in a glass. You're you're stuck in a shape. That's very profound. It is, isn't it? That Almost is. Bruce Lee. Yeah, I get what I, I get the meaning. There's yeah. that's I think again it, it comes down to some of the training. A lot of the a lot of the training in agile is fixated at the team level. Yeah, where the problems really lie in organisations. Well, not maybe problems, but I would say opportunities lie in in organisations where you've got lots of middle and senior management. Agile doesn't focus on the, on those people, and it misses a trick because they're the movers and shapers of of organisations, and yet they're told the problem lies with the team or the problem lies with the C level where you've got enterprise coaching. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. So coaching is a is an is another thing that's come out of agile over the last twenty years, eighteen years. Um, we coach teams. We coach enterprise level. We coach the the C level. We don't coach the middle level. We miss that. Um, and then there's a there's a lot of the philosophy that management is a bad thing. Why is it a bad thing? People have people have worked through their time in organisations become management. Because they've 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 gone to the, the natural end of their path with whatever discipline they'd worked in previously, and they wanted to move in. They wanted to help their people by moving into management. Yeah, but yeah, we seem to ignore these people, and, and again, it's this is where the this is where the the belligerent teenager of the of agile <laughs> is is becoming an adult. They've had adulthood, but they're not quite ready for it yet, and they're they're missing that they're missing that mature mid level of of organisations. But but it's interesting. Like if you coach people. For argument's sake, if an organisation had well-coached teams, yeah, which we're, we'll, we're visualising it being at the bottom of a pyramid, yeah, and then you have well-coached execs at the top of a pyramid, you'd expect that if you promoted people out of teams to a mid-level, it's yeah. not as if overnight they'd be like, "I'm a manager, I'm going to go into work and be a bastard." Right? <laughs> like no, nobody behaves like that. It's something about the the organisational sort of processes and systems that are in place that maybe twist people a bit well what's that Conway's law uh, yeah systems represent the organisation that built it yeah um, and I guess that's the same in anybody who moves into a management level yeah. they're a representative a representation of the organisation that they work for um, whether their C team or not understands that is a, is a different question yeah my, my briefing when I first was managemented <laughs> when I became a wise guy was uh, you know you're you're representing the company now to other people in, you know to to subordinates I hate yeah. that expression subordinates yeah, yeah. I know right as yeah. if people are superior or superior or inferior to yeah, yourself absolutely so cool so clearly you know for a lot of the benefits of this thing to be unlocked as we move into our twenties with yeah. agile you know as we move move past the snake bite and the cheap student uni lager thing and quick we fumble in the to, back yeah quick fumble <laughs> in the back uh, you know and we move more towards I don't know proper wine connoisseurship and all that and maybe a developing taste developing yeah exactly uh, what is it they like in NI now 
Buckfast. Oh, fuck off. No, um, right, sorry. You love you guys love your Buckfast, no? We fucking do not. Right, so <laughs> Buckfast is Buckfast is native to um, Scotland, particularly Glasgow, hmm. and an area in, in Northern Ireland called uh, a, a, a town in, in Northern Ireland called Lurgan. And it's, uh, but it's what is it? It's, it's Lurgan Champagne is the nickname for it. Oh, amazing. Uh, but it is if you don't know what Buckfast is it's it's a tonic wine made by by the monks of Buckfast Abbey it tastes it tastes like uh, like cough medicine and it gets you drunk as fuck and it'll it turns it, turn, it turns you completely belligerent why are we talking about Buckfast by well the way? because because you know Agile is moving away from its Buckfast experimentation period and more towards a good Rioja Oh, nice! Yeah, yeah. And as it moves more towards a good Rioja, it doesn't just focus on the team. So we, what you know, we're trying to talk about the future here now. Agile's flying. So for me, I think the future is about well, mindsets. There's mindsets. I think there's lead. Few areas. So there's mindsets, leadership. Yeah. Like culture, and and like how do people relate to each other? Yeah. Um, Well, like if you if you if we go back to point two, software's pretty much well done now. It's it's a, it's hard to make bad software, or at least it's hard to release bad software because we've got all the tools and stuff in process now. We um, do. The the only reason soft bad software gets released is because we have to meet a deadline. Yes. Um, but that bit's really good. I mean, I, I I can't remember the last time I walked into a team and they didn't they didn't naturally pair up. They didn't naturally test mm. their code. Um. It's been, you know, it's been a long, long time since I've, I've seen that. But what I do see is the misfunctions that happen at, at the organisational level. Um, and again, it, it all comes down to mindset. Yeah, absolutely. And then also, if you're a team and you want to make changes, you know, what? Well, you can. I think we've touched on this already. We're beating this to death. But you make changes in your own sphere. But then, if you're hamstrung by external, yeah, external factors. So, for example, a very good friend of mine talks about printer test what's this so an, an organization might say hey you know we want to change uh, we want to empower our teams blah 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 and you're like okay see that printer over there mm-hmm. it was plugged into that wall yeah I want to move it from there to the other side of the floor ah no 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 you can't do that <laughs> <laughs> you can't do that that's not, that's not gonna happen uh, Okay. Or why? Or well, you know, we have a procedure for this, and yeah, all of that stuff just he's shows. Prove that he's going to approve that exactly. So, so you know, then the natural question is, well, if I can't even move a printer, how am I going to move your people? You know, how are we going to move your organisation forward? How's our mindset going to happen? Yeah. Yeah. So you know, that's massively limiting. I, I encountered that with desk uh, organising. I was trying to get a whole agile team around one desk. Yeah. You know, uh, and. The CEO had to sign it off of this massive company. The CEO. That's mind blowing. Desks. I mean, surely, like something like that should be just beyond their reckoning. Like, why the hell would they ever care? Yeah. I, I, I've seen, I've seen that. Honestly, I've seen that in in local government. I, I went and I was working on a place. They had budget to spend. They they spent budget on buying this massive eighty inch touchscreen television. But funnily enough, nobody had Jira administration rights because they wouldn't spend the money on that. Brilliant. I know, right? Um, the the best thing about the TV was it sat in the 
corner of the well and sat on the edge the the side of the room for for about three months before anybody would go near it and me and three other contractors ended up picking it up and putting it on the stand and, t- and tuning it, it in because they were they, they nobody had signed off on the risk assessment to get it to get it put on the stand that's i mean i understand why you need health and safety stuff to protect people and stuff but that's mad it was just insanity. I mean, it was the most. Truthfully, it was the most dysfunctional place I've ever worked, um, and I, I cried every night when I went home. Oh, <laughs> it was so bad. Oh. Well, so we we've done a bit of a whistle stop here around the four uh, pairings, and I think we're pretty good. So, as a, so as we wrap, looking back over the last uh, sort of forty minutes or so. We've covered individuals and interactions over processes and tools, working software over comprehensive documentation, customer collaboration over contract negotiation, responding to change over following a plan, and notice I always said over and not instead of, hurrah. So it seems to me, you know, I guess, is it relevant today still? The core principles are sound. Mm. I mean that is it. As I say, it's canonical now. It's people know what the manifesto is. People understand the manifesto. Um, I guess it's it. It's like everything that has has overtones of religion. Yeah. Um, it's also got now the diverging factors. So you've got um, you've got different movements that have, have sprung out of agile, such as the modern agile movement, um, which has taken the, the the core principles and made them even more expressive. Um, and I say that waving my hands. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they are they're 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 good. Um, I mean they they, uh, they they talk about they talk about having safety at the core. They talk about um, get releasing value early. Um, talk about um, oh, balls. I can't remember the four of them, but um, well, I like uh, I like safety as a core. Safety at the core is a great. Is this thing. about psychological safety? Psychological safety. I, I mean, this is this is one thing that I, I like to harp on about whenever I'm I'm training people. And it, it, again, it comes down to the printer test. Uh, mm. do, you, do would you feel safe moving that printer? Um, it's it, 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 if there's safety in an organisation, the safety to talk out, to explore ideas, the safety to experiment, the safety to speak, up, to counteract with somebody else's ideas, but in a in a good in a in a healthy manner. Yeah. Then anything can be achieved. Well, um, yeah, I like Lenconi's work on that around the five dysfunctions of a team. You know, his stuff's great. Yeah, trust underlines everything, and trust is predicated on safety. Yep. You know, to safe to have safe, healthy conflict is actually a really good thing. Yep. Some of my best projects were ones where I had blazing rounds with people, but then, but but only because we were trying to get the right result, and then we're off down the pub. <laughs> Which is where you and I will be soon. Yay! Well, this is it. We've done it. We've 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 uh, we've explored this. Um, on Lanconi's Lanconi's work is is a good one. Um, I mean, even it it comes from Deming's dysfunctions. Mm-hmm. Um, all of the all of the anti patterns that that, that that ruin organizations. Um, and it it, it, it his, the, the Patrick Lanconi's work is, was a follow on from that. Uh-huh. Um, I still didn't know actually. No, it's it's really really good. Um, 
well, damning's always good to know because uh, I mean, total quality management supersedes agile by a good twenty years. Yes. Yet it's the it's the basis for a lot of the principles that came that came out of it. True story. I had somebody once in an interview who said agile this uh, flavor of the month, and I said, "What? Like since the mid forties flavor of the month?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. Uh, good one. <laughs> But, but looking back over those, you know, is it still relevant? I think it's still massively relevant. Um, That's got room to grow. I mean, we'll be celebrating its 21st soon. Yeah, and then we'll have to we'll have to do that in America. Oh, yay! Yay, Vegas, baby. Um, so, you know, in looking... Is that, the, is that the cocaine and hookers version? or? Uh... Uh, I can't say because, you know, what goes on in Vegas. All right. Okay. We, we could record the pods, but we couldn't broadcast it. Yeah, That'd true. Be a shame. Yeah. So... Uh, <laughs> But it does feel as though things have definitely moved on a hell of a lot since um, since Agile was born as a manifesto. Um, but obviously, still a long way to go. There's still a long way to go. But uh, I mean, there's uh, uh, for founding principles, they are they're very solid. Um, and the great thing is that now it's it's it seems to be more the de facto way of working. Mm. And from our point of view, it's a good thing because it's, it's, it's easier to work with people whenever you can focus on specifics rather than having to teach you all of the principles at the very start. For sure. Yeah. Uh, it would be nice to hear everyone else's thoughts on this. Absolutely. If um, We'd be really, really keen to hear what you think. Uh, you can tweet us at LDN Podcast uh, or you can find us at LDNPodcast.com. So, Steve, thanks a lot. I think um, we have a couple of beers waiting for us, as bought for us by the Manifesto for Agile Software Development. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Cannot wait. Excellent. Cheers now. Cheers. Cheers.